From the Transverse Network, this is The Transgender Show, an interview program about self-acceptance and discovery. I'm your host, Emily. This week on the show is Michelle, a non-binary trans woman, writer, producer, and podcaster who would go on to become the director of media for The Transverse. It's so great to have you on. We have talked through a couple different places about having you on. I'm glad it's, it's finally come to fruition. As soon as I found Instagram and the whole trans community, uh, the Transverse was one of the very first um, kind of big scale groups that I, I found and was very inspired by a lot of the content that you were creating. So thank you for that. Thank you so much for the kind words. We're really trying to do some big stuff here and um, some of it's actually starting to come to fruition. So first off, how do you identify and what are your pronouns? So I, I identify as a non-binary trans woman. Um, and my pronouns are just she, her, or they, them. I don't mind. Um, being non-binary, I try not to look at the world in too much of a binary way, mm-hmm. um, which is is a tendency to see things in these kind of extremes, either this or that, one or the other, you are or you are not, something. Um, literally, from binary ones and zeros. Mm-hmm. Um but that that was just never the case uh, for me internally. And uh, growing up, I, I discovered very quickly the differences between male and female and how other people perceived them. Um, and I just I, I didn't seem to have the same views as most. Mm-hmm. So what was it that took you to the non-binary identity and and um, while you maintain the the trans woman identity, where, how do you define them? And um, what was it that made you define yourself as non-binary? Yeah, so those two terms are are seemingly always at odds with each other, um, probably to outsiders and certainly to me. Um, discovering just that term non-binary and, and what it meant um, was a big part of the process for me because for many years I was going through life with this male identity and feeling like that didn't fit and that wasn't right and that wasn't me and that wasn't who I wanted people to see when they looked at me. Um, but then I would hear other amazing uh, trans women's stories about how they knew deep down um, that they were female, they are female. They felt very strongly that way. And I felt bad because I I didn't have that extreme sort of affirmation um, that I am inside uh, a woman. Mm -hmm. And like I said, that that is very hard to reconcile when you feel like you want to be a woman, but yet you don't feel confident enough to say I am a woman. Um, So learning to... uh, know what a non-binary identity is helped me to kind of assimilate both um, terms for my identity and and reconcile them both together. Um, And I I don't always appear so feminine. (laughs) This is actually me putting a lot of effort into the way I look. most days I'm I'm nothing special and I feel a lot more non-binary in my appearance, in my general uh, personality, my aesthetic. I don't do a whole lot to change my voice or feminize my voice either. This is just kind of the natural way that I sound. 
Um, so there are some pretty stark contrasts and differences between like me, a non-binary trans woman and, uh, perhaps a trans woman like yourself. I have a really difficult time experiencing my own gender, um, without others to experience me. Mm -hmm. Um, so uh, just sitting at home by myself um, it's very much the same as like the, does the, the tree fall in the forest? Does it make a sound if no one's there to hear it? Am I actually a woman if nobody's there to experience me? Yeah, I feel that a lot in my identity as well, that absolute need for the constant external validation. As far as the identity aspect of it goes, uh, your identity is very much a shared concept. Mm -hmm. um, so even pre-transition, you know there's something wrong with your gender or your identity because you're not getting the kind of um, responses or, or respect or care or you're not being treated as though you want to be treated or perceived. Um, so that that's uh, my experience and my mindset is always... Um, I'm I'm just generally going to feel more gender neutral about everything about me Mm -hmm. Um, if I don't get that, that constant sort of validation, yeah. um, and, and this is frankly what makes me the happiest presenting this way. Um, and I find that I get the most positive results in <laughs> my endeavors and my social interactions, uh, looking the way I do. So that's, that's been a very positive experience so far in transitioning. Um, before we dive too much deeper into that, because like I said, there's just so many questions. And that's the whole point of the show, right? How did you choose your name? Oh, um, actually, I, I had been uh, considering a lot of different names, and they all had to be M names because my uh, parents named all of us siblings with M names. Okay. Um, I, I have three siblings, and we all have M names. And I was considering a lot of different M names, um, some wacky ones, some hmm. more traditional ones. I, I listed off a couple uh, that I had picked in my um, podcast that I produced that's called More Than Mimi. Mm. Um, plug for that at some point. But uh, I had considered maybe like Mara or um, Merida. I don't know. There were just too many M names to really consider. Michelle seemed like the most basic, honestly, the one that I could just settle with. And I wasn't really forced to make a decision on it until uh, I ended up getting divorced and mm -hmm. having uh, to change my name through my divorce gave me that opportunity to get a free name change. And it was like pulling the trigger really fast. I just uh, sort of gender inverted my my birth name and became Michelle. And uh, I was still really drawn to the nickname of Mimi. Um, and so I adapted that as just a nickname. And I love Mimi because it's just the word me twice. And I feel like I always had to live two lives or be myself twice. So I am, in effect, uh, two me's. So cool. I love that. When did these feelings start to come up for you? When did that identity start to form for you? Oh, you know, super early, actually, like around the age of five or six. 
Um, and this is one thing that I'm noticing more and more um, the more I involve myself in the community and hear other people's stories as well. It seems like a lot of times it does uh, occur at a very young age. When I was between the, the tender age of five and seven, uh, that's when you really started to notice more of the differences between the adults, males and females. Um, and you start to think a little bit more about what you're going to become and um, how people are going to treat you in your particular body or gender, right? And uh, it, it was from a very young age that I was more interested in what was going on with the girls, mm-hmm. um, how they were treated by parents, um, you know, the kinds of toys they played with, the kind of media commercials that were targeted towards girls, that, that sort of thing really stuck out more in my mind. Um, And even early movies or TV shows would sometimes have like uh, a man turning into a woman or, you know, changing bodies or changing genders. And that stuff just instantly clicked with me. Um, Just the fantasy notion Mm -hmm. that, you know, a man through some magic could be given a woman's body. And that intrigued me, that thought, so much. Um, and this was uh, a great time, I guess, to mention that I was in the budding stages of OCD, which I didn't really realize until I was uh, out of college, you know, as an adult. Um, but obsessing over various things like that uh, became very frequent and common for me growing up and obsessing over gender and bodies and things of that nature um, was something that stuck with me from a young age all the way up to pre-transition. Mm-hmm. So what was it that cracked your egg then and made transitioning something that you needed to start doing? Uh, as far as that like magical egg cracking moment goes, um, it it was probably uh the obsession like like i said um i was living my my normal cisgender male life and uh it was right in the period of time where i was done with college and i was living on my own and trying to establish a career um and i had all these very high aspirations for myself uh but as the years went on i found myself um, very limited in my, my ability and my confidence, um, in, in all the factors, frankly, that you need to be successful in networking and establishing yourself as a a career person in the entertainment industry. And all I could think about was why am I still at this age at 26 years old, 27 years old? Why am I still thinking daily about, wanting to dress and be treated as a woman. I I was married uh, for a time. I, I did what I would say confidently was the wrong thing to do in my situation, and that is ignore these obsessive transgender feelings and perpetuate and live this false identity that every day just continued to feel more and more wrong for me. Um, I lost a lot of connections and friends over the years, and I fell into a more and more 
depressive state, um, developed more anxieties. I tried various depression medications, and all they did was make me feel okay with not feeling okay with hating my life. And um, the egg crack moment, I guess, you know, came after the birth of my second daughter, where um, I just thought, you know, uh, I can't let these kids grow up and know this version of me, Mm -hmm. this really sad, hollow, um, basically lifeless kind of, person that i'd become mm-hmm. and um, fake right yeah absolutely um so i didn't i didn't want to continue on this road that i was going on of of just believing that life was pretty much over i'd done everything i could and uh none of my goals or aspirations dreams would would be accomplished uh i wouldn't get to experience the things that i wanted to experience ever like wearing a dress out in public mm-hmm. <laughs> the simple things the complex things you know i'd given up on all of it um until like i said two daughters love them so much and i said to myself you know what they deserve like a really good uh mentally sound healthy happy parent and that's what i decided to do for myself was to make myself the best version of me that i could be Mm -hmm. in order to be the best parent because kids don't deserve your your worst version of yourself um i'm also a, a child of divorce and sometimes people say you know like stay together for the kid we were staying together for the kids um, which, as we know, in the end is not a good decision because your kids will see so much worse than if you had just split up. Um, and that is, frankly, what what had to happen in my marriage, uh, because we did not see eye to eye on the transitioning aspect of my identity. Mm-hmm. And I can't I can't blame my ex-spouse for that. Um, so we went our separate ways and we still co-parent just fine. And uh I I am open to the idea of dating, though it is very much not my main focus at this time. It's it's all focusing on my kids and trying to establish some sort of uh, career income situation. <laughs> <laughs> at that period, did you have anybody that was a role model or confidant that you could turn to for any guidance? Oh, I I wish I really do. And uh, this is why, as silly as it may sound, social media and things like Instagram or Twitch are really actually helpful for people like me who don't have any LGBTQ connections or friendships pre-transition. I didn't know um, anyone like me. I didn't know any trans women or men. I didn't know any gay people. I didn't, I didn't, I was just so out of the community. And through joining Instagram, um, I, I've met so many people that I can call friends now um, that I talk to regularly and they become really big support for me. And I just like value those connections so much. Um, the the whole social media aspect of of 
transitioning has been wonderful because it's such an inclusive community mm-hmm. and so many of us share these very similar stories um and we all at one point or another feel very alone but um we're we're generally never really alone you know if you need support online uh there are dozens in our community that you could reach out to and expect a response back from mm-hmm. the most difficult discussion we can have a lot of the time is with our significant other or with our family. For you personally, what was the hardest conversation and how did you broach that? How did you start that one? Oh yeah, that, that was absolutely, um, the hardest part of the entire process was without a doubt when I had to, uh, admit to my then wife um that this is what i am doing this is this is what i've decided and i'm i'm doing it and i'm going through with it you know the balls in your court more or less on whether or not uh you want to stick around mm-hmm. here and uh, that was something that again i would say uh i did wrong i i would advise you to not do the same thing don't delay that for as long as you possibly can when you know you're going to do it, um, that's when you approach it. Um, and and like I said, I, I put it off for as long as I possibly could, uh, which wasn't, you know, very cool to do to my ex. And um, I, I just want others who are listening to this that are like maybe pre-transition um, to be very considerate about how it's going to affect you know, the people closest to you, your spouses, your, your significant others. Um, it's, it's almost like, it's not just your transition. It's kind of like our transition if you're partnered and, um, coming out to a partner is bad enough, but you have to come out to your entire family as well. And again, I was, uh, forced I, I shouldn't say forced i chose to do it primarily through text and through emails mm-hmm. um just basically a convenience sort of thing and because of course i'm a coward and <laughs> these are uncomfortable matters that nobody wants to discuss verbally or face to face my god don't get in my face with this stuff mm-hmm. but uh I I came out through, like I said, an email and a text that was kind of mass blasted out to my immediate family first and then the extended family and friends afterwards. And it worked for my purposes, but I couldn't necessarily recommend that for everyone else. Mm -hmm. Did you have anybody when you were coming out that accepted you or supported you in a way that you weren't expecting? Yeah. Um... I actually have a, a a best friend that uh, has has been basically my best friend since I met him in college, and um, he was the best man at my wedding. <laughs> and we currently run a podcast together. We co-host a podcast together that is a book review podcast. And for many years of my life, that was kind of like the highlight. That was that was my favorite thing to be doing, you know, because everything else that was going on in in my life was pretty depressing. Mm-hmm. So I had this this successful, fun book review podcast that I was doing with this friend 
for many years. And this was, you know, somebody who I, I felt is almost closer to me than a brother. Um, and I was very concerned about coming out to him, oddly enough, um, because he had told me years prior to pre-train, uh, before my transition, he had told me about how a friend um, in his youth had come out to him and then he uh, had a poor reaction to that friend's coming out. Um, so that's just kind of like what I anticipated mm -hmm. in my experience with him, uh, which I was very fortunate that it's been long enough that um, matters have, have advanced publicly with, with trans issues and awareness, and his understanding had come to evolve and change. And so me coming out to him, I think, was the final catalyst in you know that progression of understanding and accepting trans identities um and i'm so glad to say like we're best friends still and we we still do our favorite podcast and um it, it was a very foolish uh thing for me to think that you know this this really good friend of mine wouldn't understand or accept me mm -hmm. and uh, i'm so glad that he did what does transition look like for you yeah so transitioning is is definitely different to everybody right there's like no one right way to do it um and as far as like the major surgeries go um i'm definitely open to the idea of some but it's not my main focus mm -hmm. uh i i just i'm at a point where i i never thought that i would get like this far mm -hmm. or or you know look this good quote unquote where i have people telling me that i pass and um <laughs> that i appear feminine that i sound feminine none of this stuff i don't believe um <laughs> and and so i'm constantly evaluating where i'm at in my transition uh next month will be two years for me on hrt yeah. and um I'm, I'm so excited about that uh pre-transition i thought you know the biggest, most notable changes came in between years two and three. And so I'm just super excited to see what is coming in the next year for me. Um, I, I need to figure out my healthcare matters first before I can start to consider surgeries. Um, that and again, my kids are still so young at this time that it really worries me to kind of be out of commission due to surgery. Mm -hmm. um with with children that young um i'm just kind of scared in general because i'm typically alone and i would prefer to have somebody to go uh into a hospital with me were that to be the case in the future yeah um like i said yeah i i have been very very minimally dating so far um and just kind of gathering um, experiences and data on my gender and sexuality and preferences of that nature. <laughs> yeah, trying to, to build and figure all that out first. There's so much that changes and so much other stuff that opens up. You know, you you stay pretty closed. I mean, we, we go through our lives and, and we stay so closed off to ourselves because we feel that this, you know, this major part of ourselves, we feel that we can't 
express than we shouldn't. And so I think that allows for us to close off to a lot of other things. So then when you come out and finally accept yourself, you're like, okay, so I I've done this and now this is completely different and new and okay. So it's like, what, what else is, you know, what else could we reevaluate re and see, you know, what we've been doing because we were supposed to versus what we, we want. I love that. Um, <laughs> hmm. This is pretty inappropriate, but, um, yeah, I'm surprised <laughs> to hear that, that you haven't had breast augmentation, um, again, with the complete passability of the way you look in a, in a low cut top. It's like, oh my goodness, it's it's all special effects and movie magic and a super uh, amazing bra, frankly. Um, okay. I, I, I would love to have top surgery eventually, maybe. Mm -hmm. um, I'll go through another year for sure and, and see what the breast growth is uh, uh, going to continue to be like. Um, I've been on progesterone now for several months and I feel like it's kind of helping it's hard to say mm. um but i would like to see uh, the natural changes as they come um for as long as possible before i'm ready to start considering surgeries going back to looking towards transitioning what were some of the key fears that you ran up against and how did you overcome those to continue your transition oh you know a, a lot of the fears that i had in the beginning are it's still the same fears um, that I'm facing now, more or less, um, aside from the, like, will I look good or will I look okay aspect of transitioning. Um, I, I was afraid of losing people and connections. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a big thing that all of us face. And frankly, we will. It, it's pretty inevitable that in transitioning, you're just going to lose some of the people that you had previously in your life, uh, through no fault of your own, um, you, you tend to see, you know, who are the real friends or family members that, that truly care for you and want to stick around in your life. Um, so, uh, uh, definitely losing, you know, some of the friendships that I valued the most was a ma big major fear. I, uh, was also afraid of, again, that, that dreaded, bar of passing mm -hmm. you know that everybody looks at and considers at one point or another is when you're when you walk out that front door when you go out into the public you know what's it gonna be are people gonna be sir or mamming you yeah um and and that that really doesn't go away um even you know as 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 flawless as i look <laughs> i still get misgendered it happens and i think it will continue to happen just because crappy people exist and there are people that sometimes it seems like go out of their way to misgender you um and yeah. it, it you know you just don't let that kind of stuff put you down mm -hmm. as much as as it would pre-transition uh, pre or at the start of your transition when I love you describing it as as a bar, and I was just kind of thinking it as you're, you know, doing that, the visual that popped into my head is like, you know, sometimes it's a high jump, that's a high jump bar, and it's up there and you're like, whew, I don't know if I can make it today. And sometimes you clear it. And other days, you know, especially at the start of transition, when you're when you're looking to come out, um, it's it's a pole vault bar, and you don't have a pole, you're just like, I have to get up over that somehow. And it just seems so daunting that yeah it, it 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 can be really tough and it, it really 
just brings on so much dysphoria. In dealing with dysphoria, what do you do on a daily basis to feel like the most Mimi? What are, what are the, the routines or the things that you do to just go, to just really dive into your femininity and really feel it? Uh, okay, well, uh, very early on in the transition, like most of my dysphoria was caused by all of the things that I would notice about myself that, you know, I wanted to change so badly. And that was things like the very small amount of facial hair that that was like a plague upon my face. Um, and that's why I prioritized laser hair removal, like as soon as possible in my transitioning. I wanted to make sure that I was forever rid of that five o'clock shadowy look um, just on the upper lip and on the chin. And uh, that was a huge dysphoria thing. Um, as is most of my body hair, I am just like really particular about my grooming habits mm -hmm. and my hygiene. And I'm very particular about all of that. That probably goes into the OCD a little bit though, too. And then another thing that was, was constantly kind of outing me whenever I would interact socially was my voice for the longest time. Mm -hmm. Um, but it, in order to make myself feel really good, I, I discovered all these little tricks like, particular ways to wear my hair whenever it got to a length that I could actually do something with. Um, hair was another big, big dysphoria mm -hmm. thing for a long time because it was so short and you can't really do anything effective. You can't feel cute. You can't look cute. Um, but being able to have some styles to play with is excellent. Um, there's so many more ways to accessorize uh, as a woman, you know, with your makeup, with your with your nails. Um, you got great looking earrings and I, I still don't have my ears pierced and I don't know if I ever will, mm. <laughs> but, um, uh, definitely taking, uh, the time to make those little changes, those little cosmetic changes that I would have never done pre-transition, um, really highlights these, these aspects of myself that I like more, um, that being my, my femininity. Mimi, is there anything that you feel that you've been able to accomplish because of your transition? Um, like literally everything, I guess, uh, that I've done in the last two years, um, <clears throat> which doesn't seem like a whole lot, actually. But I, <laughs> I really did feel um, for a period of time that I, I was on this course of life and, and it was going to go on this very... Uh, specific track and I more or less jumped the track and reestablished a new life and a new persona and um, I I think uh, from here I, I just really want to try to uh, increase my femininity as much as possible in, in my transition um, I I feel like I'm more or less done socially, but maybe not physically on the transition. Mm -hmm. Do you have a favorite thing that you've learned through your journey? I, I think that uh, just having the self-confidence now to like come on any sort of show, any program, talk to people about these deeply personal things that just like two years ago would have been uh, nearly impossible for me to discuss out loud. You know, telling somebody that when I was so young, I, I felt like dressing up in my cousin's clothes or my sister's clothes or whatever and uh, fantasizing about being a girl 
that used to be embarrassing and and more of a shameful mm-hmm. sort of memory, and now it's more like, haha, of course, look at me now. It makes sense given where I'm at, and and I'm okay with it. I'm like at peace with myself. I don't need to hide anything. I don't I don't feel embarrassment or shame about these things about me. This is just who I am. And it's so cool that people like it. What are the key pieces of advice that you have to pass on to younger closeted trans people out there? Ooh, my sage advice. The sooner you can identify um these feelings and and these desires within you and you you understand all the terminology get yourself a glossary okay and and really study all the different gender terms and sexuality terms and know what you're doing uh as far as the difference between gender and sexuality go the more you can know about yourself, the better off you're going to be. And if you decide that transitioning is right for you after doing all your research and seeing what HRT can do for other people, um, deciding that you want those changes for yourself uh, is a very major thing that you shouldn't delay for as long as possible. Um, like I said, I was perpetuating a identity that did not work for me. It wasn't healthy. Um, and I did some probably long-term damage to uh, a person that I formed a relationship with. And um, my advice is to just do what's right for yourself and to do it as quickly as you can. Mimi, thank you for coming on the show and sharing your story. We really appreciate it here. Oh, you bet. It was so fun and I appreciate it so much being a guest. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Transgender Show from The Transverse Network. Watch this show live Tuesday nights at twitch.tv slash The Transverse and later on our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash The Transverse. Be sure to check out our guest Michelle on Instagram at morethanmimi. If you love what we're doing and want to help support The Transverse and get access to exclusive content, you can do so by visiting patreon.com slash The Transverse.